0: Hello, Baker McKenzie welcomes you to Connect on Tech, a global podcast series covering legal developments on data, technology, privacy, and security that impact your business. Here's your host, Brian Hengisbaugh, Global Chair of Privacy and
1: Security. Welcome back to Connect on Tech. We're so glad today to have Bradford Newman with us, Brad's partner in our Palo Alto office at Baker McKenzie. He's also chair of the AI subcommittee of the ABA and really focuses on AI and trade secrets. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. You bet. So AI is certainly a hot topic. I think clients and companies are looking to leverage AI in many ways across uh, the enterprise. Uh, There's some particular issues with AI in the context of hiring. Can you give us a little background on that and then also... Uh, fill us in on this letter that was sent by 10 U.S. senators to the the chair of the EEOC.
0: Sure. Uh, Baker's AI and Machine Learning Group uh, is doing a lot of work right now with vendors and uh, companies that are using AI in the hiring and recruitment process. And of course, the, the business proposition is this will help you be more efficient and take the human bias out of it and therefore reduce your liability. And what What we're finding in reality is that that's not always true. And in fact, the use of AI hiring tools can open up companies that use them to claims they're violating employment laws by improperly excluding protected classifications of candidates from the the process. And of course, the push-pull is the vendors don't disclose to the companies what the algorithm is actually doing. They make some representations and warranties, but won't indemnify. And the companies are therefore left uh, to sort of trust the AI vendor in a certain way. But when the government and the plaintiff's bar comes calling, it's going to be the company as well as perhaps the vendors that are in the crosshairs. So uh, there's a lot to talk about. You know, Of course, AI isn't good or bad. It's just an analytical device to crunch large sets of data to help humans make decisions but it it needs data to be uh effective and when you're talking about hiring data um you know a lot of back-looking historical data of who has been hired and who made the best employee and who lasted the longest and ra- uh was promoted up through the ranks there can be implicit bias in there and so it's really incumbent upon the companies who are paying money to these vendors and algorithm uh, producers to understand their own past hiring practices, what their data sets look like, and how the algorithm they're using is being trained on that data to ensure that there's no implicit bias in the output.
1: No, that's that's super helpful. So I can completely see it, right? You're, you're going for this tool, but it's a very powerful tool. I and mean, when you're ingesting data into it about Your past practices, et cetera, you could easily slip into a spot where there's um, some unfairness essentially uh, associated with that, either on the part of your historical data or on the part of the tool, or maybe the combination of the two that are brought together. So it requires a lot of sort of very sophisticated oversight.
0: Uh, 100%. And of course, the the simplest example, obviously oversimplified, is we want the best sales candidates. We have 40 years of hiring people. Uh, We know that football players, high school, football, college, team captains, uh, those sort of folks disproportionately make President's Club over that four-decade period. So we're going to uprank having played high school or college football as a selection criteria and the algorithm we care about, and that's linked to identifying historically successful candidates. And inadvertently, uh, most of the time, Uh, What you're doing there is obviously excluding half the population of females who have not historically played high school and college football. Obviously oversimplified, but it does highlight the lack of intent. Nobody's trying to discriminate against women. No one's trying to exclude them. But if the thought isn't put into it, what is going to be the natural outcome of the algorithmic output is a exclusion of a protected category of potential applicants in the applicant pool. And that's illegal.
1: Got it. Very, very great example. Great, clear example. Um, so talk to us a little bit about this letter that the the 10 U.S. senators sent to the head of the EEOC. Um, what was the point of the letter and what do you think is going to come of it?
0: Uh, so on December 8th, 10 senators sent the then, uh, this would be under the old Trump administration, head of the EEOC, uh, a letter saying they wanted the EEOC's opinion on how basically how far they could go in demanding vendors who make it and companies who use AI hiring tools to disclose to the government um, what the tool is, what the data used to train the tool is, what the output is, how it's working, and all under the rubric of enforcing Title Seven. And uh, the the underlying and stated premise was that there's been systemic and historical racism in hiring. And as COVID eases up and there is a a rush to hire talent, these senators expressed concern that the EEOC ought to be taking an active and aggressive role in going after vendors uh, and users of AI hiring tools. Now, there's some Inside Washington stuff here, the 10 senators are not the AI caucus of the House of Representatives. Um, They, you know, they're very powerful, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker. I mean, this is nothing to slough off. But what it shows is, first of all, under the Biden administration, one of the administration's stated priorities is diversity and inclusion in the workplace. You've got a Democratic House, Democratic Senate Democratic administration, Uh, employers, companies using AI hiring tools and the makers of those should absolutely expect increased regulatory scrutiny. And let's be clear, increased plaintiff bar class action activity here uh, in this space. And it's a very vexing space for a lot of end users, uh, because as I have noted, the vendors don't disclose a lot of the underlying inner workings of the algorithm and the output to the company. It's more of a plug and play. You license it or you pay for it and the applicant pool starts flowing in based on the algorithmic output. So not a lot of visibility there. And I think a lot of companies using these tools could be caught short footed here. If the government comes calling and you know we're seeing an, an increase and not just in the last few weeks but over the last several months and probably actually 12 to 15 months increased regulatory uh inquiries into uh, what is the algorithm doing and we haven't yet seen a of class action litigation but we expect it on the horizon uh in the next 12 months
1: got it very good that makes um that makes good sense. I mean, and what would you suggest to employers or clients um, when when they're getting into this space, perhaps other than just, why don't you put a flag down with HR and say, gee, before you pick up one of these AI tools, make sure to come talk to us because there are a few legal issues with it. But beyond that, like, how would you, how would you suggest uh, companies think about this?
0: Great question. And I'll sort of come, again, high level. AI is good. AI is powerful. AI allows for a lot of uh, business intelligence from data that the individual human mind alone couldn't uh, ascertain from big data. Um, And so we start there, but it is a tool for decision-making. And, you know, I, I had proposed federal AI legislation Uh, a few years ago and in 2018 it was turned into a house of representatives discussion draft bill and one of the aspects was that if ai is going to be used in hiring promotions or firing that there had to be a human in the chain and so i think we we take that principle and when legislation is ultimately enacted that will be a key part of it i think companies need to keep humans in the chain from the start to the finish, and cannot just blindly rely on the algorithm. They need to understand their applicant um, flow, the, the applicant tracking. They need to understand historically who has been hired, why, and who has not been, and why. And when the algorithm is trained on that particular company's data, there's got to be a push by the company to understand what the algorithm is upranking, Uh, who it's downranking, who it's excluding, and why. And a lot of this has to be done at the time the company's negotiating with the vendor because the the current contracts vendors are using with companies does not provide the company, the end user, the customer, with the ability to do a lot of this um, internal inquiry in order to protect itself and, frankly, protect the vendor.
1: No, that's a great point, and you know, Brad. You know, I'm chair of global privacy, and you, you just resonated with me exactly. Article twenty two of the General Data Protection Regulation has a provision specifically on that that individuals can't be um, subject to a decision based solely on automated processing uh, without human intervention. Um, and so, it, it's interesting unless you've gotten express consent and, and jumped through a bunch of hoops. So that same concept that was in that. The bill that you were uh, proposing here in the States is reflected elsewhere around the globe in various bits and pieces, but um, super helpful, Brad. So great to have with you, you with us, uh, Bradford Newman, uh, excellent partner of Baker McKenzie and Palo Alto and chair of the AI subcommittee. We look for, uh, forward to having you back with us to talk about more AI issues and other things. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here and uh, appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next podcast when we connect on tech. For more information on data and technology, subscribe to our blog at connectontech.com or visit our website at bakermckenzie.com.